0: thanks guys I was I was thinking before sing it again sing it again Scott I'm gonna stay over here so I'm not getting feedback anyway I was thinking I was in my office uh, a little while ago before service started and I was thinking about when this property was there was this was just a field kind of like in the back there which is part of our property but all of this was that right And um, I remember back in those days that we prayed, we would be praying and interceding, we would do services occasionally like at the park outside, and we would pray because the scripture says that if Jesus' name be lifted up, if Jesus be lifted up, that he would draw all people unto himself, that all humanity would come to himself, and we saw the connection between things like uh, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness in high places. Like there's the spiritual dynamics of the unseen world and how powerful it is to be outside worshiping. Where where the voices of God's people, not only the rocks, not only the rivers, but God's people are raising their voice and communicating literally to the heavenlies outside of a building and also to the community. I'm thinking about the people that are driving past here and what is our posture as a people. As people drive past, people, many of them, that don't even know what a relationship with Christ is like, what kind of impression they might get out of God's people. And I'm challenged by that. I think to myself, what an opportunity for us that literally God has invited us to be out in, the, out in the wild, right? Out in the parking lot, to be seen by all people, to share our faith, to share the good news of Jesus, that Jesus can make a difference in your life, that Jesus gives you a reason to sing, right? Jesus gives you a reason to worship and to connect with him. And I think about, you know, yeah, it's warm outside, this kind of reminds me of Haiti, being on a mission trip, but it's a little bit different than Haiti. Do you understand what I mean? But we can still raise our voice and we can still proclaim and connect with God and let those that are driving by, we pray, God, even now, all of those that are driving by, not just this church, but I know that that other churches, not just in this community, but other commun- other churches in this region are outside, even on this day proclaiming your name, we pray that as people drive past our churches that the Holy Spirit would move on the lives of people, that there would be transformation, that people would become awakened to your presence, even in this difficult, chaotic time in their life. And God, help us, help us be challenged, even in our own lives, as to the type of worshipers and engagement that we would do, God, knowing that it's not only about us expressing our deep gratitude and love for you, but it also is having an impact on the unseen world, that even now we break every principality and power over our nation, over our state, over this region. We come against every stronghold, and we pray for life and freedom to be released. Even now, God, into the lives of people, into the governments, uh, into, into businesses, into organizations, let your spirit flow, God, we pray. We pray for revival in this land in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yeah, I want to encourage you guys that uh, next week when we get together out here to, to be mindful, be very mindful, and certainly for the rest of the time we're here today, let's be mindful even as we invite one another and say, you know what, there's something powerful about us being able to be outside worshipping God and being an example to a world that so desperately needs Jesus doesn't that make sense to all of us right so the scripture says this is our theme scripture as a church in jeremiah 6:16 6, it says say this after me stand at the crossroads and look ask for the ancient paths and ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls Stand at the crossroads and look. This is such a powerful, powerful scripture, not just because it's got crossroads in it. It really is kind of where the name of this church came from, is literally birthed out of this scripture. But I want you to know that you are kind of at a crossroads, and I'm at a crossroads in my life. You're at a crossroads in your life. Do you know your present ends in this moment And you are stepping into your future, even as I'm speaking. We're all moving into our future, that our present is over right now, and we move into our future. We stand at a crossroad every moment of our life. Momently, we stand at a crossroads. This turns into our future. The question I have, I got a lot of thoughts and questions today. One of the questions is, how did you get to this place in your life? Not just to this parking lot, but your journey so far. How? Think about it for a minute. How did you get to this place? What were the things that God has done in your life? What were the decisions that you've made that has brought you to this place? And on the heels of that, how do you plan on continuing from this place? As this present closes out, as you stand at this crossroads and you continue into your life, how are you planning on continuing? How is your faith and your connection with Jesus connecting with that? What is, if you were to picture the, rea- the, the arrival or the reality of all of the endeavors that you're after, if you could say in a sentence or two what you're really after in this life, if this is the end of the presence and you're moving into the future, what is the future that you're after? What are you looking for? What is, the, what is the arrival of your endeavor or pursuit? In other words, what's the vision you have for your life? What is your focus? What's on the horizon? See, I believe there's two horizons in everyone's life. There's the horizon that we see right here. It's step-by-step horizon. And then there's that horizon that's out there. It's, it's your vision. It's the thing you focus on long-term. What is it? What are the goals that you have for your life? What is the threshold that you're waiting that you have set for yourself, or maybe you haven't really even put it in a tangible way, but you just have this sense that you're out after something, you're in pursuit of God, and you're not sure exactly how that's going to end up, but that really is out on your horizon. Well, this scripture tells us that we stand at a crossroads when it comes to our horizon. We stand at a crossroad, all of us, when it comes to our goals and living into the vision that God has for us. There's three ancient and really contemporary illusions that we have to contend with when we think about moving into our future. It is something every one of us has to wrestle with. The first illusion that you and I and every person throughout history and humanity has had to deal with and will continue to deal with is the illusion that you and I in some way think we can be immune from difficulties and vulnerabilities. If anything, we should be learning from this season is nobody is nobody is immune from the vulnerabilities of what life and difficulties that life can bring. The truth is, and I say this with all optimism, trust me, the truth is we're all in over our heads. It's worse than we think it is. On your worst day, it's worse than that. We require a savior, we require a, a a God to be with us because we are in over our heads. This is a difficult situation. It's not just with a pandemic or racism. It's all there's just difficulty to the right and to the left. We are all in over our heads. Look at the person or your family member, just say, it's worse than we thought it was. Just free yourself up. It's worse than you thought it was. I love it. I've been kind of practicing this recently. As people come to me, I'm getting a lot of like, I just can't take this, I can't take that. i kind of chuckling to myself and thinking, it's a lot worse than you think. I mean, you think it's bad. It's worse than that. But could you imagine, imagine with me for a minute, a civilization with more wealth, technology, With more luxuries and options, with more choices and advancement than any other civilization in history. Yet in the midst of that, those people are more stressed, depressed, anxious, and unable to access the abundance in a fulfilling way that God has for them. That's tough stuff, but there is a grace available to us in the midst of our difficulties and in the midst of our vulnerabilities. We are vulnerable, but we are people that are called to risk. Don't be afraid of your vulnerability. Don't be afraid that there's difficulty out there. God is with you. Paul says it this way. My grace, God says, Paul, Paul says this. And Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why. For Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, persecutions, difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's say that together. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The second illusion that all of us have to deal with and wrestle with and all of humanity has to wrestle with is that you and I somehow have this illusion that we can be insulated from heartbreak Jesus says that he's close to the brokenhearted because everybody has their heart broken. Lewis, C.S. Lewis says it this way, he says, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly even be broken. If you want to be sure of keeping your heart intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. We see it in our relationships, in our relational world, that our heart can be broken. Possibly your heart's been broken in relationships. Because if you love and you care, your heart is vulnerable to be broken. Our children, at times, without even knowing it, can break our heart. Your work and your pursuit of doing something meaningful on the earth can break your heart. Because your work matters. What God created you to put your hand to matters. Here's the thing, is you and I cannot control whether or not our heart gets broken, but what we do have some control over is what we'll give our hearts to, to be vulnerable to be broken. And in our culture right now, there is so much peop, there is so much of this people engaging things and putting their heart out there for things that, quite frankly, your heart, some people's hearts are being broken over things that just at the end of the day will not matter. If my heart's going to be broken, I want it to be broken over people I love. If my heart's going to be broken, I want it to be broken. If it is going to be broken, let it be broken for the things that most matter in this life. Let there be an end to all of this for all of us, that somehow we would give our hearts to things that are just passing like the wind, that are just passing like the clouds even this morning. Let me say it again, you and I cannot control whether or not our hearts will ultimately be broken at times, but we do have some control over what will let our hearts be broken over. If your heart is broken over social media, for instance, maybe you should not be on social media. If your heart is broken over the news you see, maybe you shouldn't watch so much news. If your heart is broken over things that, quite frankly, next year we won't even be talking about, maybe you should guard your heart. For out of it flows the wellspring of life. Jesus says he's close to the brokenhearted. And he wants us to be vulnerable enough to put our hearts out there and to engage one another and to love one another. But let's make sure our hearts don't get broken and trampled by things that ultimately won't mean anything to any of us. And illusion number three is that you and I can reach our arrival of our endeavors and our pursuit, our vision, our our horizon that's out there without faith. For some of us, for some people, prayer gives this away. For a lot of people, their prayers—they they speak to really. At the end of the day, it's not about faith. Let me say what I, what I, what I. Let me describe what I'm trying to say here. If all of your prayers were answered as the way you desire, would it make faith vanish? This is what I mean. The Scripture tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. In other words, faith is that thing like if, if, you, um, if, you are, if you are on a walk and all of a sudden the road were out. How many saw Indiana Jones where Indiana Jones walks out and he has to walk out in faith where there's just this empty space? Scripture says faith is that believing that there's something to walk on. It's, there's a substance to it. It's evidenced by things hoped for. So in other words, when things actually manifest, faith ends. So if you're always praying for things, and there's nothing wrong for, with this, Jesus says to let your requests be made known unto God, right? You make your request, or the Scripture tells us, make your requests be made known unto God. So we, we bring our requests, but if all we're doing is requests, ultimately... We're thinking that at the end of the day, it's the fulfillment of requests that we're after, not faith. Possibly, could it be that God really thinks that faith is so valuable in our lives that some of the reasons why some things don't get answered in our lives is so that we'll continue to engage in faith. The scripture says without faith, it's impossible to please God. When we pray, are we listening? When we pray, I loved communion today. When we pray and when we take communion, are we repenting? Are we examining ourselves? Are we just taking time to have gratitude and be grateful? Or are all of our prayers requests? Remember when I was a kid, and I'll end with this. I was, when I was a kid, we went to Cedar Point all the time. We'd go a few times a year usually. And we all were roller coaster people. And back then, I'm old enough to where I remember when there was just the Blue Streak at Cedar Point. I don't even know if it's still there. It's probably in a museum somewhere. Anyway, the Blue Streak, and we would all, like, run. We'd try to position ourselves to be in line so we could either be the first on the Blue Streak, first car, or the last car. The last car was cool because it was like the tail of a serpent, That's how it felt, like you were just whipped all over the place. But the best car was the front car. Because if you were in the front car, when you got to the precipice of that hill, you couldn't see what was on the other side. And you literally felt like you were walking on air. You thought you were crashing at about 90 miles an hour, and you had no hope. It was exhilarating. (laughs) It was like a launch of faith. See, because if I'm in the second car, or the third car, or the fifth car, I can see people's heads. And just so long as those heads are still on those shoulders, I'm going to be okay. But if I'm in the first car, I don't know what this is going to feel like in a couple of minutes. Do you ever feel like that? you ever feel like you're on the precipice of a hill and God's inviting you over? You can see the horizon. You can see what's going on right here but man in between it's faith walk. Don't live under the illusion that you and I do not need to live by faith. We're called to live by faith. I want to read this couple of sentences by David White. The road seen and the road not seen. The road seen then not seen, the hillside hiding, then revealing the way you should take, the road dropping away from you, as if you're, you are leaving, as if it is leaving you to walk on thin air, then catching you, catching you, and holding you up, when you thought you would fall, And all the way forward, always in the end, the way forward that you followed, the way that carried you into the future, that is the road that has brought you to this place. Faith has brought us to this present place, and faith will lead us home. You go over that precipice and keep stepping out in faith. God is with us. God is with us as a church. And God is with us as a people.
1: You bring the singing, you bring the table, and I'll bring my feasting. Somewhere in the distance, I hear wedding bells ringing. You bring your comfort, and I'll bring my thinking. The new wine, and I'll bring my drinking, you bring your spirit, and I'll bring the weeping. that I'm singing You bring the working day so a man can keep believing so a woman can keep on dreaming and after the fire dies You open up our eyes You bring the stillborn Baby, to my shoulder. You bring your sorrow to every fallen soldier. You bring your passion to the graves that we stand over. Young love that we've lost, we will find when we grow older. You bring the mountain. So I have somewhere to wander. You bring the ocean. So I can learn to walk on water. You bring the wilderness. So I can learn to hunger. Oh, I feel you like a phantom. But I can't explain your wonder. You bring the morning. You bring the evening, I'm gonna praise you with every breath that I'm breathing. You bring the working day, so a man can keep believing, so a woman can keep on dreaming. And after the fire dies, you open up our eyes. you, the Lord keep you, the Lord bring you to that day, to the day when he brings the morning, and there is no other evening, the Lord be with you and walk with you on the challenges that you face this week, the Lord give you discernment to see your brother, your sister, your mother, and your father. In the people that do us wrong, the people that do us well. Amen.